Welcome to another episode of Sex on Shuffle. I am your host, Cindy Lee, your succulent sexologist, here with another episode with some more teachable moments. I think it's very timely that I planned on talking about eugenics for a little bit on this episode. And we found out yesterday that Orange Number 45 is going to have to leave the White House. Kicking and screaming, I don't care how. And we have a new president and a new vice president, and a lot of people are celebrating that. And yes, find your joy where you need to, and continue to stay ready, continue to do this work, continue to understand that regardless of who's in office, the system is still shit. We still have to. You know, honor the folks that are doing the work, that are organizing, that are activists, that understand that we still live in fuck shit. There are still folks that are continuously being oppressed, are continuously being killed. And these new folks in office aren't giving them the comfort that some other folks are feeling. And understand that both of these truths exist. And that there are folks that are very well informed of Biden and Harris's previous work, the harm and the violence that they have participated in, especially for BIPOC, for Black and Brown folks, Black, Indigenous, and people of color. Yes, with that, I wanted to bring in today some instances where oppression shows up and is inextricably linked to the sexuality of predominantly folks of color and predominantly Black folks in the United States. And that includes territories that the United States are occupying and currently colonizing as we speak. These are just a few examples. Unfortunately, this is not the end-all be-all. There are plenty of instances where sexual and reproductive oppression shows up, which just shows and proves how necessary it is for us to do this justice work for reproductive justice, for sexual justice to show up and be utilized in providing solutions that will make it more equitable for us to live and exist and get what's supposed to be our human rights honored on a regular basis. All right, so let's get into the receipts. Number one, Puerto Rico. And I'm happy to provide resources on the podcast you know, so you could dig a little deeper to the examples that I mentioned. But by 1955, 16.5% of Puerto Rican women of childbearing age had been sterilized. And in a 1988 study of the women who had been sterilized at that time, 16% reported that they had not made the decision for themselves. And government utilized population control as the justification for a lot of dysfunction, despite not having consent, despite being very selective on who gets to have children and who doesn't. There was an instance that I read where the governor of Puerto Rico wrote to Margaret Sanger, who is known to be one of the key folks in the birth control movement, contraception, and also 
was a eugenicist. So yes, the governor wrote, the tragedy of the situation is that the more intelligent classes voluntarily restrict their birth rate, while the most vicious, most ignorant, and most helpless and hopeless part of the population multiplies with tremendous rapidity. So basically, putting value on a person and saying, again, this is eugenics, right? We want this kind of person to have children, and unfortunately, they don't, which shows up today too, and I'll show you in a little bit. And they consider the folks that they're trying to coercively sterilize less than and have this belief that still shows up about how those um, less than desirable characteristics of a person are hereditary. And in order for us to quote unquote better the race, we have to limit and restrict specific kind of folks. And you already know who was under that bucket of folks, right? If you look at a lot of eugenics work, you look at, you see a lot of quote-unquote feeble-mindedness. But who was it? It was mostly folks who were incarcerated, folks who had mental illness or were deemed mentally unfit at that time, and predominantly folks who were poor and folks who were black and brown. Another instance we look at in the 1970s, 20% of indigenous women living on reservations, were sterilized. And in 1975 alone, 25,000 women are permanently sterilized by the Indian Health Services. And again, a lot of them were coerced, a lot of them were misinformed, and a lot of them were even threatened. Number three, during the course of Ralph versus Weinberger in 1974, we discovered that 100,000 to 150,000 quote-unquote poor people were sterilized each year under federally funded programs. And again, if you look at the history of eugenics, of these forced, coerced sterilizations, it has all this white supremacist, xenophobic sentiment involved. If you look at California's history, California had one of like the largest eugenics programs in terms of documenting how many folks were sterilized. And that was driven in part by like anti-Asian, anti-Mexican prejudice. One resource that comes up for me is a documentary called No Mas Bebes, which talks about specifically uh, Mexican-American women who were sterilized while giving birth in Los Angeles in the 60s and 70s. And we're told things like that the sterilization could be easily reversed or pressure them into agreeing to the procedure, or, or criticizing them. Again, guilt and shame showing up by the doctors, by the nurses, for being quote-unquote poor or for having children. And that shit wasn't only happening in Cali, but Cali has a large reported number. If you look at the South and the amount of sterilization that happened in the South, Look into the phrase Mississippi appendectomies. That was another name for the hysterectomies that were performed at teaching hospitals in the South, all women of color and predominantly Black women, Black cisgender women. A third of the sterilizations were done on girls under 18 and even as young as nine because, again, they were targeted as quote-unquote delinquent, quote-unquote unwholesome. I bring these instances very often in my classes and my training, especially in instances where people are like, oh, why do you always talk about race? Why can't we just talk about sex when 
that shit is connected, especially for folks who have this, right? Especially if we think about um, historical trauma, generational trauma, if we are under the belief that we hold that shit in our bodies, that that shit is in our genes. And I sometimes get the, okay, but that happened back in the day. A lot of fucked up shit happened back in the day, right? If you look at the 60s and 70s, there were a bunch of movements happening, a bunch of civil rights, a bunch of activism going on. So let me give you a couple of other receipts that are a little bit more present. We look at California again. The Center for Investigative Reporting discovered that doctors under the contract with the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation sterilized nearly 150 inmates from 2006 to 2010. So cisgender women uh, without any required state approvals. I'm sure with whatever justification around who is seen as someone who has autonomy over their body and can dictate if and when they want to have children. And lastly, a recent receipt. I don't know if you've seen the news around September, but Dawn Wooten, a Black woman who worked at Irwin County Detention Center, showed up and put in a formal complaint and is now seen as a whistleblower and discussed what she witnessed in ICDC, which is a detention center that houses folks that are being taken away from their families, and detained by ICE. In her formal complaint, she talks about a bunch of fucked up shit that was happening, and particularly with COVID and how they were refusing to test detained undocumented folks, uh, detained immigrants who have been exposed to the virus, who were symptomatic, and they were doing shit like shredding medical requests, that were submitted by the folks who were being detained, fabricating medical records. And then the biggest thing that was showing up in a lot of media is the the amount of hysterectomies that were being performed on cis women under ICE custody. So this shit isn't new. And eugenics is still here. It's still present. Sometimes we talk about these things as if they were only in history, as if they no longer show up. But it's it's still a thing. And if it's not a thing overtly like this particular whistleblowing incident, it shows up in, implicitly, right? It shows up in how folks are being treated by folks in power, by folks who are within these systems, the medical communities, you know, the fact that prisons are still a thing. And when you are incarcerated, you are deemed less than. Again, why it's so important for us to continue to strive for justice, for equity, and incorporate different frameworks like sexual and reproductive justice, for example, and support organizations like Sister Phone and Spark and some other folks that I can add in the podcast notes. So yes, I continue to be hopeful because I know that there are really amazing organizations, amazing uh, Black women and femmes queer folks, disabled folks that continue to do this work so that we can live in a world where we have our human rights maintained, where we're able to have our body autonomy, to be able to have children or not have children, to be able to parent children in environments that are safe and sustainable without having to worry about state-sanctioned violence and 
white supremacists and other forms of terrorism. So I hope that this gave you some nuggets of information or gave you some motivation to look into this a little bit more and how we can incorporate this into our work and whatever work you do, especially for my sexuality professionals that listen and my sexuality educators and understanding that sexuality education is also part of that sexual and reproductive justice work. If you're interested in another opportunity to hear me speak about this, I am going to speak at the next Seekers webinar on November 17th, along with my homie, my conference boo, my fellow Waukshin comrade, Mariana Gary-Smith, where we will be discussing race and sex and sexuality education. I will put the registration information in the pod note as well. If you want to join, I'd love to have you there. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you have any questions, please reach out to me at cindyleealvis.com or email me sexonshuffle at gmail. Follow me on the interwebs at cindyleealvis or at sexonshuffle. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing. I appreciate you in this space. And let's continue to move forward so that we can continue to live our best lives and stay ready. Take care, y'all. Shimmy.